Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody. Welcome to Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. My guest today is Mikaya Turman. She's an American television journalist best known as the weekday morning anchor at WRL-TV in Raleigh, North Carolina. A bit over a year ago, she made the bold move to wrap her career in TV news to start, in her own words, truly living. Is this intriguing enough? Well, then joining me, welcoming Mikaya to Back to Basics. Hello there. How are you doing? I am so happy to be joining you. It's exciting. And of course, thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you know, every time I can smell an inspiring story from, you know, <laughs> miles and miles away and yours. And I, I hope I got the, the time, the timeline right. It's a, a little bit over a year ago, but you did something in my view that is unimaginable to most, which is, you know, I have a little girl and she sometimes dreams to being a journalist or on TV or a TV anchor. I mean, you had one of those jobs that people maybe work their entire life to get. And so I feel that it's such a courageous move to do what you did. And you're obviously still, you know, with the whole life ahead of you. So I want to know everything about you. And why don't we start with the origin story? you know, about your childhood. And I'm very curious to see if if you were like my little girl dreaming to become a journalist and and, and how did I pan out? Yes. And so I'm going to let you know, your daughter's probably going to be a journalist. When they start <laughs> that young, it is, it is almost in our DNA. But yes, I started very young, born and raised in Atlanta. I'm an only child. My dad is a politician and has been elected since the day I was born. Uh, so he was always in the limelight in a different kind of way. He thought I'd want to do something like that. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> I want to be doing the news. I want to be the person interviewing you. And for him, he was like, what are you talking about? You could be me. And I'm like, no, I'm really, I'm, I'm good. My mom came from a background of television and radio. She was a host, a producer. And so at the age of five, and this sounds unimaginable, I had my own TV show on public wow. access television. So I had been doing it my whole life. So when people kind of jumped in at the news part of it and me graduating, it, it was just a fraction of how long I had been in front of a camera and the reason I was able to achieve so much at such a young age because I was able to spend so many years prepping for that work. So I started very young, did the TV thing. I was very normal though. I was not a, a child star where your your mom's pushing you. I wanted to stop after a couple of years. She let me stop, no issue. Mm. And then around 15 or so, I started being curious again about what that space is like. I did a couple pageants, one big, uh, one my state, and then on the national level. And yeah, yeah, I yeah. Said Sorry, to myself, because you're being too humble. I forgot that part. You were crowned Miss Georgia, right? I was. I, I was. You know, I, was. I, I should have said former beauty queen, but just by your, you know, <laughs> main title, there's so much I didn't want to give it away. There's a lot of nuggets of, oh, I'm so humble here. And, uh, <laughs> So, I mean, you're obviously gorgeous. So, uh, sorry, but I did have to make it. She was crowned um, in Georgia. 
did it and it was fun, but that was me getting back into it because everyone who wins, they say world peace and that they want to be a news anchor. That was, that's pretty <laughs> much the speech you give when you want to win. And mm-hmm. I didn't really want it, but I said I wanted to win. So I said it. And then I had to do the internship and I said, okay, now this ain't bad. This, this <laughs> kind of feels like home for me. So I jumped right in. I went to UGA, got my degree, went straight to Chattanooga and started to see the reality of what that looks like. And this is what I would tell you to tell your daughter this part of the story. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Being a young woman in this industry is hard, in any industry, don't get me wrong, but certainly being in the limelight and growing up and understanding that your job is appearing in front of people and sometimes people aren't nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes most they times, will, unfortunately, most these times days. they're not. They're not. So if you uh, decide to go into it, you've got to be really grounded. And thankfully, because I, what I had been exposed to being the daughter of a politician, what's worse than that? <laughs> <laughs> very comfortable getting feedback. And I was able to do it for 10 years, be successful from Chattanooga. I went to Raleigh a couple years after being a reporter in Raleigh. They asked me to be the weekend anchor. I was the youngest in history at the time. Mm -hmm. Then I became the weekday anchor. It's certainly for being a black female in North Carolina. That's a big deal. Um, And I got to weekdays, everything I wanted. This is what happens to all of us. You get everything you wanted, everything you worked for, and you go, Oh, I really don't want this. I, I I said to myself, there were two positions higher than where I was. And I said, am I going to stay here and do this till the day I die? Do I want what they have? And it, it's nothing against them. I just didn't. And so then the question became, why are you doing it then? And I think we all face that. This isn't about being on TV or in journalism. You know this as well as I do, this aha moment. It could be as a mom or as a dad. You go, oh, I thought it would look like this. And now I know it looks like that. So I started strategically planning my exit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. That is so empowering. But you know what I love about what you said? It's almost like... Uh, you know, uh, uh, with over 200 guests now, I've heard a lot of different stories and twists and turns. And, you know, for for what you're telling me, it's like, yeah, you know, you had a platform that, you know, help you achieve and get so, so because by seeing your mom and seeing your dad, I mean, just the, how articulated you are. You had a great, I mean, you're also a Harvard graduate somewhere in there. I think you forgot <laughs> yeah. to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> But so you have, you know, this, but I think it takes a lot of guts to, you know, get to that. And especially it's not, I'm not, I mean, I'm in business, I'm a CEO, people are lawyers and you get to that. Oh, I'm a big shot lawyer. And it sounds good, but it doesn't sound like I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm the anchor of a, of the morning news or, you know, a TV show. You had that cherished, let's say, job description. And mm-hmm. for you to have that courage, that aha moment, it takes a lot of guts. And so I, I want to stop and encourage everybody that's out there listening to this to think about whatever you're mm-hmm. doing today. Have you thought about what Mikaya say? Why are you doing this? And what mm-hmm. is it given to you? And, you know, really connecting to whatever it is that you're doing. Is it bringing you joy? Because I think that's a part of your story. Even when I read it, it's like, wow, this is powerful. And that's why I, I, I fell in love with your story. And then you became strategic about it. Mm-hmm. And then it's not only like recognizing I'm not enjoying what I'm doing anymore. I don't want to mm-hmm. do it, but it's what the heck am I going to do next? So I want to hear right. about your that strategic planning that you're talking about, because people are going to say, yeah, I don't like this, but how? what do I do to change? 
That's a great question. And there are moments, I think of life like these little pebbles. It'll turn into a brick that'll fall on your head to where you go, wow, this is really not it. But it starts as little breadcrumbs for us, right? So I I can remember, and I've never told this story before, but something about your energy, of course, just being around you. Um, I'm going to share it. I was at the major arena. I was going to a hockey game. And inside of the arena, there was a larger than life poster of me. It was huge. I want to say it was maybe 20, 30 feet big. Oh my and God. I, and everyone had told me, hey, you know, you've got a billboard inside of the city's arena. And I was like, yeah, I, I'd just rather not. I'm physically <laughs> two feet away from it. I see it from a distance and I freeze. And I was with someone and they were like, oh, do you want to go over? Do you want to take a picture? I said, I want to get out of here. <laughs> and that was when I knew I was not doing what it was that was fulfilling me. And that's a small thing. It's like, okay, well, maybe you were tired. Maybe your feet were hurting. But truly, that is a part of the gig. And mm. so when you get to the point where that level of notoriety, you can't go to the grocery store. You can't just go grab that quick thing at the at the gas station without someone going, aren't you da da da? And you know, you're not representing you, you're representing an organization that tells you what you should or shouldn't be Mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. That was hard for me. That was Mm -hmm. where I lost it because I had to look in the mirror and say, Micaiah, are you doing what you would be doing? Or do you even know who you are because you've been doing this so long and are so young? And I didn't. That was the honest answer. I had no idea what I would do in certain situations, how I would dress how I would wear my hair. All of these things are dictated by your employer if you're on TV. Mm -hmm. So it just, it got, I couldn't even wear colored nail polish. Mm. Like it just, it became a distraction. So I looked at it and I said, this was in 2018. I went back to Harvard uh, and graduated in 2018. So I started in 15, graduated in 18. So if that tells you how long it took me, I share that little nugget because people think it happens overnight. You wake up, you leave and that's it. No, in 2015, I said, I need an exit strategy. I need a master's degree because I may want to teach. That was my vision for myself. Mm -hmm. So I went to Harvard, got that, graduated. And I was like, okay, 2018, that's in my back pocket. (laughs) And that time I started getting promotions. And then of course, this thing called the pandemic hit and it locked Mm -hmm. us all down. Mm -hmm. So when I thought I was leaving, I couldn't. This is another story. No one ever, ever. I love this. this. Thank you, Makai. I'm getting getting prime time information here. I love it. No one's heard this story. So I was being, I was the weekend anchor at the time and I was being promoted to weekday anchor at the, at the time. And I went to Duke University and knew I wanted to go into ministry. And I applied and got a full ride scholarship to the School of Divinity there. Mm. And I was there at the school about to sign the papers and meet with all my advisors. I was scheduled for orientation. Like I was locked in. And I got a phone call from the station saying, there's this pandemic thing that we really think is going to hit. We've got to send you to work from home. It stopped everything. I withdrew from Duke University and I never went. But I was that close to leaving my job that mm. if the pandemic had not hit, I was gone three years earlier. Mm. But there were these moments where I kept trying to get out. And I share my, I call them failures. Some may not call it that and just say it's a growth point. But in, at the time, it felt like a failure. How do you pass up a full ride scholarship to Duke University? You know, mm. like that, that's mm. absurd in many ways, but it just didn't work out until it worked out. And then I said to myself, okay, this is my exit. My best friend said, why aren't you leaving? You talk about how much you don't enjoy it. And I said, I can't quit. She's like, but what if you did? And after that, I did everything I could to possibly get out, which included 
me having some critical conversations with my family, me talking to my friends about what kind of jobs they were in, and then realizing that talking about crime and death and sadness all day, every day is not the only career there is as a communicator. And in fact, it's a really, really sad one. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at what other things I could do. And then, you know, the blessings of God just kind of made it happen. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Amazing. I love every every bit of your story is inspiring. A, because as you said, and I love that you presented that way that we think I'm going to change and it has to happen, you know, from one day to the other. It's not something that, you know, I say, I know you you define yourself as a believer, me too. So I, I do believe that God, the universe, however it is that we want to call it, plants this seed that grows within us and we can ignore it. And we can try to push it down or even rip it out and, and say it's not mm. there, but it is there and it will always come back. And, and the voice cannot be ignored. Then I think mm. that tragedy arrives in people's lives because we ignore what is supposed to be. And then, mm. you know, you quit before you quit because yeah. you wanted to. But, you know, in other mm -hmm. people's lives, it's called layoff. It's called restructuring. Yeah. It's called something that forces you. It's called matter, uh, family mm -hmm. matter, illness. There are so mm -hmm. many things that is the universe calling attention to what needs to be fixed in our lives or paying attention. So I love the fact that you went and did it before it got to that. Absolutely. And you almost see those things. It's not one or the other. It's like if your car breaks down and the window doesn't roll up and then the AC goes out, it's those are all reasons to get another car. Like that's the bottom line is that you're about to make a change. Now, it may seem like, oh, no, my car is breaking down and these things are happening to me. But are they really happening to you or is it? the universe or whatever, you know, deity you may look up to, is it slowly making you so uncomfortable to where you say, I cannot stay a moment longer? And that's frankly what happened when I was in news. I got to the point of so much discomfort, so much, ang like, so much anger about what it was that I was seeing, not just with the job, I'm just talking about in the world. And when you're a communicator, I've got to communicate the wars mm -hmm. and all of the things happening overseas what's happening to children. And it just, as a journalist, you see things that you can't unsee that maybe the never, the audience never sees, but you have to at least watch it just so you know what you're talking about. I can live with myself much longer knowing that I got higher ratings on those bad days. That's to me, not a reason to have purpose. And that's not to say anything about anyone remaining in the industry. We have to have beacons of light in those positions mm -hmm. to really make sure that the stories are being told authentically. But for me personally, I knew that at 31, I wanted something different for myself. I wanted to live. I was not living. And I wanted love. And I, those two things now have happened for me a year later. Oh, my God. That is so, so great. I think you were very in touch and attuned with who you were and your identity. And mm -hmm. uh, I wonder when the time came, do you believe that your family and friends were attuned with your identity as well? Well, they probably have been hearing you say, you know, I'm not happy. But do you think it was a surprise for most people or or is it like, yeah, you were supposed my best friend was an actress in Venezuela for soap operas. Mm -hmm. And for mm -hmm. many years, she was the same thing, you know, notoriety. But it's not really what she wanted. It's what her mom wanted. So when she yeah. quit, she, her mom hasn't <laughs> forgiven her yet. For quitting oh. TV, you know, no, the, that's a joke. But it's like, oh, she had a right. mistake. But she recognized very young. She was 22. She had done four soap operas already. She's like, this is not for me. Uh, and yes. she, did, she was doing civil engineering, is engineering or this. And she went on that path and nobody could understand it. But people close to her, I was like, clear. She doesn't like the limelight. Mm. So she was like, mm. this is not going to happen. 
So was that did that come as a surprise for your inner circle? I I wonder how much of it was a surprise. And I say this knowing with the backstory of my dad never really wanting me to do this in the first place. Another thing most people don't know, my dad never wanted me to do it any day, really. He wanted me to be happy. <laughs> and my mom, they were not pleased. And this is some insight to being a news anchor. For you to be in that 4.30 a.m. morning anchor, weekend morning anchor spot, you have to be up at 3 a.m. every single day. You're going to work in hurricanes and in snowstorms. My parents, seeing their only child do this, were never thrilled. So whenever there was like an inconvenience with work, it could be as simple as I couldn't find a parking space. They'd be like, well, you know, you can quit and move back to Georgia. Like, and they were one of those parents. Yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. that's not a solution, but thank mm-hmm. you for that. Mm-hmm. So they were never invested in that part of it. And because I think most people see that as you're losing the fame. And in my special case, it's still there. My dad's still elected to this day. Campaigns are still being run. So I didn't lose that. I'm still a public figure. So Mm -hmm. I think if I was walking away from public eye, it would resonate differently. But everyone around me who truly cared about me is still there. Now, I will not sugarcoat it. There are people in my life that I was like, I thought we were friends. Like, I thought we really connected on more than just my job. But that's when any of us leave jobs, right? You realize your coworkers were just coworkers and not friends. But other than that, I don't think I ever had an attachment to what they said I was because I knew I wasn't that. And there are so many different things that I think about in moments that it was so distant from who I've become. But you asked this great question. Did I know who I was? The answer was no. It felt it feels like it hearing this story now. But when I trembled as I had to tell my boss, I want out. Okay. Can you imagine? I get like, goosebumps I, 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 to hear you say like, that because see, this is something, I mean, I cannot even imagine saying that from like, that I, kind I, of it, job. It's terrifying. It's all I knew in my life, not because of where I worked, as, but just as a young woman doing anything, if that's the only thing you know, and they say, well, what's next? And you say, I'm not going to say because I have some other things cooking. I don't know if this will hurt me to share it, but I am going to just say, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm going to use my voice to speak up for what makes me happy. It was terrifying. Mm -hmm. It was, I didn't know who I was. And even to this day, I will talk to my friends and my family, my boyfriend even, and I'll say, I don't know who I am. I need you to walk through this with me to see if I like gardening or mm-hmm. if I really like tiny houses. And he'll go, okay, great, which is why I know these people are my people. They'll say, let's experiment, but they understand that I didn't have access to experiment like most people did in their younger 20s mm-hmm. uh, and early 30s. Mm, wow, that's uh, amazing, amazing. So of course, now that you you say you have that very critical conversation, you say, I'm out. And mm-hmm. then you go from this, you know, from the limelight, from all this, and you, I'm sure you had an idea, was the PR idea already in your brain, or this is something that came later, like what, or, or, or I, I'm just curious to see, because now you're a PR strategist, and we want to hear all about it, because I'm sure you're great at what you do with that background <laughs> that you bring to the table. But just how was that transition? It was, I didn't tell a soul, and when I tell you, no one knew even after I left, no one knew where I was going. There were so many rumors that I was going to another station across the country that people were giving me gifts from that state because they assumed that there's no way I could walk away. I kept it close to the vest because what I find in these life transitions is it takes one friend going, you're going to do what? 
and it will crush you. So I kept it so close to the vest. I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. Even my best friends in the entire world, they would say, people in the newsroom are asking us, what are you doing? Where are you going? And we say, we don't know. And no one believes us. I'm like, you won't know. Luckily, my job was remote. So it wasn't another flashy job that it was that hard to keep a secret. But I always knew PR was my gift because that's what my mom ended up doing after she got out of doing television hosting and radio hosting. Uh, She's an event planner, a fundraiser, and she's done it my whole life growing up. Mm -hmm. So it just really came natural to me to be able to do it. The agency I work for is phenomenal. Remote work, unlimited PTO, people who believe in mental health, which is like an extraordinary thing in this day and age, and taking care of yourself and wellness. So all of these things really propelled me to say, let me do this thing versus another opportunity that was to work for a major corporation in the Southeast. It was to be an executive at that company, and it was a lot of money involved. But I said to myself, it was a crisis situation. Mm -hmm. And I said, if I were to step into that, it would just be like reporting on another crime. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. I want to take a full step back. And I really want to see what it's like to live and travel and do all of these wonderful things. So I left and the PR thing was set in stone. And it has just been the best single decision that I've ever made for myself. Not because it's like, oh, I'm making so much more money. That is a superficial thing that exists or doesn't exist, or you feel like, oh, I moved to a new city or I got married, all whatever superficial thing that you would think as the best. When I talk about the best, I mean mind and heart. Mm. That's what I mean. So for my mind and my heart, these are the things that truly change the trajectory of my life that I know I would have never had in old life, that Mm. I'm grateful that I had so I can say I lived it, but certainly not something I would want to raise a child in, for instance. Mm, I love this. I, I, you are saying this and I feel we are soul sisters because what oh. you say, when you said, and it's something I struggle with, that, you know, you love your friends and these are the friends, but sometimes your journey is so detached from other people's journey and mm-hmm. you want to share what you're going through, but you know, either they cannot relate or they got, you're not going to get what you need. You know, Seth Godin, I don't know if you're mm-hmm. familiar, but I'm a big, big fan and he's been on the show he always say, find your tribe, you know, when mm-hmm. you need to go through the next evolutionary phase to the next thing that you want to do. And that happened with me and the podcast. I mean, I run the, the family business and I have 50 years of my dad's legacy on my shoulders and people mm-hmm. look at me and they think telecom towers. And I always say, but there's so much to me than that. And so mm-hmm. I went through all that thing and I say, I need to add something to my life because I'm happy with carrying the legacy, but it gets heavy. And so I say, what can I add to my life that gives my heart joy in doing? And that's why I do this podcast and I don't make money out of it. But people want to know when you're making money, when you're going to this. And they almost get upset at you because it's like you're you're over 200 episodes. You're When you say this is going to make money. And, you know, you just said it. You don't think about, yeah, this was more money, but was mm-hmm. I going to be happier as I am right now? And I think so many of us struggle with that. It comes though, right? So, and I'm not saying because there is a level of privilege to say, oh, I don't need the money. I understand that you and I have in this conversation, there are families that are out there that can't take that as an option and say, I want to go do my passion. Got it. Understood. Within that, I guess what we're saying is being true to oneself is, is more valuable than superficial things. 
It could be living in a certain size home because everyone's home is different or driving a certain size car. And what I found is as soon as I started making the decisions that were right and true to me, everything just fell in my lap. And I was like, wow, these miracles are are just happening. Things I never imagined. And, and happiness, I had a distant cousin call me and simply say this, I've never seen your face this happy. My dad says he's never seen me this happy since I was 12. My wow. father. And I wow. said, since I was 12, I'm like, daddy, you're joking. He's like, you've not been this happy since you were 12. But I've been working as a from a ch- time I was a child all the way till I was 32. So that's probably when I was a last a child was when I was 12. So to have my father say, you're showing back up now after 20 years it is, is worth everything. That's what I mean by value. I love it. I really, that's why I think, that's why I love your story because it's almost an upside down story in the sense mm-hmm. that, you know, you had the very early success, you know, you work really hard where most people are still studying, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, you know, they have so many iterations of what they wanted to do before they came become successful, truly successful. So what I love about you is like, you are at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. For most people, in most people's eyes, and and I'm sure a lot of people called you crazy when you made that decision, and then you say, "Now I'm truly living," which is a big. Statement. No one called me crazy, not a oh. one. Oh. And in fact, with protecting the innocent, all of my coworkers call me and ask me how they can do the same thing. My former ones at the <laughs> at the TV station, mm-hmm. there I often, often I, I everyone that I'm close with in a different capacity or another has asked me how to get out. Not just at that one station. I all they I get all these messages all the time. Hey, can can you hop on a call? Like, I mean, and I already know what it is. Everybody, and it's not people think news people make a ton of money. You've got a makeup artist waiting on you when you wake up. No, you're doing your makeup over like a sink in a public restroom at 3 a.m. by yourself. You make a, a normal salary like everybody else, only you don't get Christmas with your family nor Thanksgiving because the news is on. It is not a glamorous job until you get to that level where you're at, on an anchor desk. Just to be totally transparent, those reporters that are standing out in hurricanes are working their tails off. When they're at the riots and all of these things that are happening, they are leaving their family. So I mean, there are very few people at every station. And of course, I did have one of those upper jobs. But still, I mean, these are hardworking people who say, listen, I'm sacrificing too much for something that is just simply not worth it. Mm, That's a good point. But do you think that because there's all type of personalities and I can see Mm -hmm. that you are humble just by definition, just by talking to you. So I can see how you are one of those that the limelight doesn't cut it for me. That being that visible. I mean, if you are not taking the mm-hmm. picture with that big billboard, which is what most people <laughs> right. do, I, right. that like most people get into that career to have that billboard there. And they will have a, like a little cocktail around the billboard <laughs> so that they could admire, right? So, but you are not that person. So I think if that kind of job is not giving you that, of course, mm-hmm. I think it's clear that you weren't going to be satisfied. Yeah. And I think that you're right. The reason people stay, if I have to say the number one reason people stay, despite all the things I just told you, is because they want to be famous. And that's a sad reason to stay because like all of us in any job, whether you're working at a bank, when you're long gone, they will replace you. And it, that legacy won't be there for fame. Like mm-hmm. they just won't mean anything. I want to be present with my friends and at weddings and engagement parties that I never was at. 
I didn't share that. Yes, I was going to Harvard, but I was doing it while I was a morning reporter. So I would be up at 3 a.m. working till noon and then going to night school, flying back and forth to Cambridge. I did that for three years. I didn't have a life. I didn't have a single life. I didn't go to a single party or event because I was overachieving. And it was like, you can't just go to Harvard. You need to graduate with a 4.0. And then once I graduated with a 4.0, I needed to get promoted. And I was one of those kids that was always going after things. But now I have very likely more fame now than I ever did just as a news anchor because I can actually do and say the things I want to say. So for instance, the station couldn't, I couldn't talk about the brands I love because it would seem biased. Mm-hmm. It would seem like I was trying to form an opinion about something. But now I can say, I really love gardening. And I go to a Kathy's gardening store every single Saturday. And now I get to do that. If I want to promote a garden, then I can. Um, if I want to do a sponsorship, then I can. So these things, it just opened up the doors that were shut because they were being controlled by the industry. As you, you became is. your own producer in a way. You That's right. That's producer. right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And and so let's briefly talk about your PR, you know, hat now. So now mm-hmm. you're a PR strategist. And mm-hmm. tell us a little bit more about, you know, your gig. And, and some people I find that say, well, nobody needs, a, you know, unless you're very famous. And I think that's maybe not the case. I think everybody, well, I'm a personal believer on personal brand. A while back, I started investing and people, you know, they see me on LinkedIn and say, you're all over LinkedIn and you haven't. I say, no, I do it myself. But it just took me like probably five months of really hard work. This Mm. is right at the pandemic time that I had a little bit more time at at home and saying, what's my personal brand? What do I stand for? And this is where I said I wanted to separate myself a little bit with I'm not only the family business, I'm not only this. And, and so I started really with that idea, personal brand is powerful. And yeah. no matter who you work for, you are you. And that's your biggest mm-hmm. asset. And that's where you guys in PR or you people in PR rather come into. Because no yes. matter what you're doing, you need somebody also that that's the strategy with you into, okay, who, who what what you stand for? Public relations is the best thing in the world because it's messaging and communicating, which is my God-given gift. I will never be able to shake that. But it is positive and you can work with brands to help them tell their stories, which seems like an easy thing. Like, can a brand tell its own story? Not really. So <laughs> here's, here's what gets lost in translation. When you create a company, like I, I have my, one of my tech founders come in, tech founder A comes in. This tech founder, she may be so passionate about what she's doing that she cannot explain to the stay-at-home dad what she does in a way that makes sense because she hopes to keep him there as long as possible to talk about all of her passions and every intricacy of the product. And so what PR does is we come in and go, tell us every intricacy of the product, and then we'll help you tell your story to them. Um, and that's, it's super simple, but it just, it, it elevates brands in ways that I can't imagine. We do conferences, we do awards, and I really specialize in tech, venture capital, B2B, B2C storytelling. So Mm -hmm. that's a lot of uh, like letters and numbers and all those things. But simply put, companies reach out to the agency and they say, we really want to elevate our brand awareness. And then we do a huge strategic uh, session around what that looks like, create PR plans, and then help them elevate in a way that brings in new customers, makes them make more sales, 
uh, and reach a greater group of people. And that is just so fulfilling because it's all brands I believe in. I'm no longer working with brands or things where I have to read from a teleprompter, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And someone else is typing in what I have to say. And I'm just a conduit for a message. Now I get to be the messenger. It's a it's a power thing that wouldn't be meaningful for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. if you've been told what to say for 10 years, being to be a part of orchestrating a message of something you genuinely think is going to help climate change or is going to help people improve their skin or is going to help people uh, find detect cancer early. Like all of these things are, are, are just a, a tier one for me. Mm. Wow, this is so incredible, incredible. And I know, you know, that um, that you have other exciting things. I think I saw, did a TEDx talk already happen? Or it's about to happen? It's coming. It is coming. And these are things that have been on my bucket list since I was 19. So I'll oh. be doing TED by Raleigh in awesome. October. Um, and it is all about, and I can share this, but this is the first time again, I'm sharing this on, on oh, a public platform. Three, one, three. <laughs> yes, there you go, three. Three, You're three, such a great three interviewer. Stories. You're just pulling it out of me. <laughs> I um, love it. But it's a uh, human touch in an AI world. I specialize in AI, uh, particularly at the agency and in integrating it to the products and the brands that we work with. But just what does that mean? If you're a storyteller and everybody can go to ChatGPT to type up a, a press release, what's the human touch behind that? Like, what what makes it personal? So part of what I want to help push, especially as a PR strategist, is for a decade, I learned, learned how to hone the power of messaging. I know how to connect with an audience better than anybody because I did 100,000 viewers every day <laughs> for 10 years. So I can show you how to use the best practices of ChatGPT and AI but still put the human touch on it that makes people feel like there's authenticity. Because the most powerful thing I think I have and all of us have is that authentic self. Who are you really? Speak your truth. And that's what's going to elevate you. Mm, I cannot wait to listen to that. As a tech person myself, I think that you're right on and specializing in AI, but also you know, not to lose our humanity. I think that's the biggest mm. asset we have and that we forget about it. And and that's one of the things that um, takes away my sleep because I'm in telecom and I see, you know, when I see my kids with a phone and, uh, you know, and, and we forget everything that goes behind the scenes on, you yeah. know, I'm a big advocate on the workforce of telecommunica- telecommunications workforce. Uh, it only became an essential workforce in during the pandemic. People think their phones just, everybody knows what 5G is. Nobody knows how these antennas get put on the towers, these, you know, and so... That's something that I'm also very passionate about is we, we are losing the human in the technology and wow. we cannot allow that to happen. So I'm happy that we have an advocate like you stating how we can keep the human touch in, a, in an AI world. That's amazing, amazing. So Mikaya, to us, I always ask this question because there are so many things that I can say make you tick and it's very exciting. I hope this is not, I've only had very few guests do a repeat, but I can definitely want to keep in touch with you and see in a few years where is this path of yours taking you? Because if I'm right, I suspect that in a few years, in 10 years going on, you say, oh, I made it to this level where, (laughs) and then I want to change because that's what happened to people that are in this, you know, evolutionary path. You do something, you fill your bucket list, and then you move on to bigger things. So I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of great stories to tell. But, you know, in the days where we're tough, where you didn't know when 
you know, where you were uncertain. What is that thing that uh, reconnects you to your true essence, to what makes you tick? Uh, my faith. That's first and foremost. And I don't mean that in one of those like, oh, like Bible beater kind of ways. I even consider like my yoga practice a part of my faith because it's mindfulness is really what I'm getting at. Mm -hmm. So I have to get quiet and breathe. It's so small and it feels like, oh, what, like you're talking about like, like, no, I mean, really those deep inhale exhales and just centering myself silences out all the noise and everything that's going on in the world because we all have stressors. But that is when I hear myself and then I hear God really guiding me on that's good, that's bad, try this this way. And so that is my key is just mindfulness and my faith is what is my anchor in all things that I do first and foremost. Then of course, it's family. Mm, I love it. That, that's probably will be very similar to my answer, by the way. I <sighs> I do believe in your inner voice and it gets louder and louder and to the point where to go back to your friends, sometimes I don't, I don't ask anymore. Like I go straight mm. to, to what feels right to me because then you think it, which is sad in a way, you know, and somebody in this show told me, you know, um, inner growth is a, is a lonely journey. Mm. Oh, and, yeah. And, And I do feel I do feel that because sometimes when I have an idea or something I want to share and then I know because I know who surrounds me and I love mm -hmm. all my friends and my, you know, but and my family, but even my parents, they don't see that. They don't see what this whole podcast thing is, is about. <laughs> and and you cannot going, share. don't stop. And you cannot share because you, you tape an episode like this one. And I'm going to go out and say, oh, my God, you're going to have to listen to the And I'm so excited. To share it with the world, but then the people that enjoy the most are people that you don't even know, and those that mm -hmm. you want, you know, maybe mm -hmm. to give it a shot. They're just so busy with their own lives, and you cannot connect. And yeah, it makes me a little sad, you know. That's been one of the biggest challenges. But you know, then I connect with my own inner voice, just exactly what you described: silence the noise, and mm -hmm. then it's all right there. And then you can don't keep stop. I have to encourage you, and I say this as someone who did this. There is something about your energy. You are called to do exactly what you're doing in this space and time. And speaking to exactly what you just said, you don't know who you're reaching. Of everything I did, like over the last 10 years, the, the, the most impactful thing that will stay with me are the photos and the emails I would get from viewers telling me they named their children after me. Oh, wow. It happened a lot. But they would say, I want my daughter to be like you or my daughter loves watching you because someone who looks like her is on the news in Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, that I mean, there's no higher honor. But again, I don't know this person. I never would have known that I reached them. And if I was doing it for some people around me to say, oh, good, you're famous or you've reached this level or that level, it just it wouldn't have had any impact. So what you're doing and I'm just talking about divine purpose. This is your divine purpose. And I know that you're reaching people because I, I'm a fan. Um, but still, <laughs> just having, just surrounding yourself with like-minded people will help to fill that need to be able to talk about it. Mm, I love it. Well, this is all why I do it. It's exactly that. Connecting to like-minded mm -hmm. people and hoping that this conversation is going to mm. get to the person that needs it and it's going to inspire yeah. them just like I hope it has inspired you, but it certainly has inspired me. And, you know, one conversation at a time, I think we can make a big difference. And so, Mikai, I thank you so much for, for accepting the invitation to be here. And I'm a big fan. 
Um, <laughs> so, you know, I definitely, you know, I'm curious to see all the good you're going to achieve even more because uh, you're incredible. So I thank you so much. Thank you. You've already said it. We're soul sisters. You can't get rid of me. Uh, you got it. You got it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in into this new episode. And I look forward to seeing you soon in another episode of Back to Basics. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you, and until the next time.